I just want to read one verse this morning, and you can turn with me in your Bibles if you would like. If you do not know how to quote the verse along with me, though, you probably need to know that. You probably need to memorize that. I'm reading from the Gospel according to St. John, one verse in verse number 16. So every boy and girl in the house, every grown man and woman in the house, everybody in the house of the Lord this morning, if you cannot, I would encourage you to uh, take some time to be able to invest and memorize this verse. Very likely, most of you can either quote it verbatim or come very close. And this is where we'll be preaching this morning. John chapter 3, verse 16. I won't ask you necessarily to stand. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What a great verse. It is the verse of the ages. It is the most well-known verse of the Bible. And I will quote it again. Matter of fact, if you know it well, quote it along with me out loud. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And I'm preaching this morning, if the Lord will help me, on that great phrase, those three words... God so loved. God so loved. This is quite possibly the greatest verse of Scripture ever given to man. If such a thing could be quantified, for all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto good works. But if, if such a thing could be quantified of a great scripture or the greatest scripture, quite possibly it would be John 3.16. Jesus gives these words to Nicodemus at night and they are shared with us in John's gospel for time and eternity. It is in this verse that the Bible introduces these words, so loved. God so loved. These words would be used in two other places in the New Testament. And on both of the other occasions, it is illustrating the same truth of how God loved us. In picturing the love of Christ and the church, the Lord shows us a man and his wife and commanded us to love as the Lord loved. For a man to love his wife as Christ loved the church. And the Bible says in Ephesians 5.33, Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. That so love is an image of God's love. And how he so loved us. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 11 is the other occasion in the New Testament where we find a so love. That is 1 John 4, 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. And this so love, God so loved the world, the scriptures said. Jesus' love for us is a love fueled by the care of Almighty God for humanity. He so loved, He loved so much, it is the saving kind of love. I appreciate the fact that the Bible says that He so loved the world. When it says He so loved the world, it tells us it is a reaching kind of love. 
a reaching kind of love. God reached out to the world to let us know that He loved us. It's a reaching kind of love. When the Bible said He so loved the world, that is not He loved the world system. For He said in John 17, I pray not for the world, but I pray for these that Thou hast given Me, and they are in the world, but they are not of the world. The world system is opposed to God. It is at enmity with God. He said the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, these things are of the world, and they are not of the Father. And so God and the world are in opposition to each other. It's the reason why you cannot run with them and walk with Him. And But my friend, though the world was at opposition to God, Though the world was running from the face of God. Though Adam and every descendant from him was hiding from God and hiding from their sins. Hidden behind the fig leaves of good works. Hidden behind the fig leaves of, of, of religion. Hidden behind the fig leaves of do better. Hidden behind the fig leaves of scientism and my friend government, government regulation and societal control. And all the things that man's vain imagination could come up with. When man was without help and without hope. There's a God in heaven that looked down where we were. And he reached out towards us. And when I could not get to him, praise God, he came to me. This soul love is a reaching kind of love. Oh, when I was laid down, I'm glad he was reaching for me. Jesus came reaching for me. He reached way below the bottom for me that night when he saved my soul. This soul love is a kind that reaches to the world. Jesus gave us that great commission in Matthew 28. And Jesus spake unto them, saying, All power is given me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. He sent us into all the world to tell the whole world that Jesus loves them. I'm thankful that I have never had to preach and look in the eyes of any person and wonder while I was preaching, does the Lord really love them? Am I telling them the truth? Here's what I'm saying right. Does God really care for that one? I can go behind the prison walls if they ever let us back in. Can go behind the prison walls and preach to me with stripes on their uniforms and never have to be concerned. Does God really love them? I can preach in the church. I can preach on the street. I've preached beside the campfires at night. I have preached in the barber shop and on the street corner. And I have never had to wonder, did these people listening to me, does God really love them? He so loved the world. It's a reaching kind of love. I've looked in the eyes of some people that I knew had done some bad things. Some of them I knew too well. I knew what they had been into. Some of them I knew what they'd been into because we'd been into it together. Somebody say amen right there. And my friend, I never had to wonder, did the Lord love them? Because Jesus sees fit to tell us that the Lord so loved the world. I'm glad, my friend, there is not one left out. There is none that the Lord has discarded and says, I don't love Him. I don't care for Him. I won't save Him. Oh, but 1 Timothy 1 and 15 said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came 
name in the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. No matter how sinful, how lost, how undeserving, how wicked, Jesus came with a soul of reaching unto us. Hebrews 7.25 Wherefore He is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by Him, seeing He ever liveth to make intercession for them. Luke 19 and 10 told us He came seeking to save that which was lost. If you think you're too bad for Jesus to love, remember you're the one who needs Him the most. And not only will He have somebody like you, He's looking for you this morning. And He loves you just like you are. It's a reaching kind of love. When God so loved, it's a reaching kind of love. Secondly, this morning, when God so loved, not only is it a reaching kind of love, but it is a remarkable kind of love. It's a remarkable kind of love. For God so loved the world. How much did He love them? That He gave His only begotten Son. He gave His only begotten Son. That's the most remarkable love I can conceptualize. That's the most remarkable love I can imagine. I have no sons. I have no brothers. It's just me and my my dad. I mean, that's it. And my dad has no brothers. Just It used to be just me and my dad and my granddaddy. And now my granddaddy's gone home to heaven and it's just me and my dad. And on yesterday we spent a little time working with one another and we I cut up a tree and we uh, took some cows to the cattle sale and how we did a few things and he's a lot slower than he used to be and he has never been fast. He had never been Speedy Gonzalez. He was Slowpoke Rodriguez long time ago. And now he is slower than the slowest mouse in all of Mexico. And us, but we got a lot of work done yesterday. I had to drag him all the way across the finish line, but we got a lot of work done. And he told me at the end of the day, he said, you know, he said, you and I have got a lot of work done in our times. We've done a lot of things together. And he was talking about doing some work on his barn. He said, I think you were about five or six years old when we built that barn. But he said, every day that I worked on it, you were out there with me walking on those rafters on top of the barn, five or six years old. He said, everything since you first came along that I've gotten into, I said, you've usually been right there with me. And he said, you remember that day I, I chewed you out, I fussed you out right in front of this barn because you let me hit the corner of the camper while I was back in there and you were trying to give me directions. I said, yeah, I remember that. He said, I was so stupid. You weren't but about seven or eight years old trying to direct me and so forth that you let me just bear hit the edge of the wall with the camper and so forth and I just chewed you out and he said I've thought about that a million times since then how stupid that I was and he said I and I, and I didn't think nothing about it I just thought well you know you get chewed out because you're the kid and he's the daddy you know but it bothered him that he chewed me out and he said you know I remember that day and he said I thought while I was sitting there chewing you out it just hit me this is stupid how this little fellow's the only help I've got he's the only only son that I have. He's the only one out here directing me, doing the best he can. He's seven or eight years old. And I remember him that day telling me, I don't know why I'm chewing you out. Hey, you're the only help I've got. And yesterday I'm standing out there and there's some of the things he couldn't do. He couldn't get his saw to crank. Then when he got it to crank, he couldn't get it to stay cranked. And it was cantankerous. How about we finally did get it cranked and then he was worried about a tree falling on us. And I, you know, he's gotten to that age where he's a little more skittish. 
and I reached over and pushed that old uh, half-rotten tree and pushed and rocked and pushed. Be careful, son. It'll fall back on you. It'll kick back on you. It'll fall back. And I thought, if you'll get out the way, it won't because I'll move. Oh, but see, he can't move very fast. And so I rocked that thing until finally it tumbled over there, that pine tree. And to my friend, listen, he said, you're the only help of God. You're my only boy. You're my only son. I don't have another one. You're it. Listen, I don't even have that. I don't have a son. Got three girls. I love my girls. I wouldn't trade. I would not trade one of my girls for seven-year-old nasty boys. But my friend, listen. God, the Father, had one child. Had one son. His only begotten son. And He loved His one son so much that He loved us so much that He gave His one son, His only begotten son, to save all of us nasty sinners. And to birth us into His family. Oh, I'm telling you, it's a remarkable kind of love. The only one that He had, He gave Him for us. Oh, it is remarkable. He gave of His own accord and with His own good will. And God was not robbed of His Son. His Son was not robbed of His life. But my friend, the Father was pleased with the Son. Him that the Son laid down His life for us. It pleased the Lord to bruise Him. He hath put Him to grief. It's a remarkable kind of love. John 15 and 13. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. John 10 said that to no man taketh my life from me. But I have the power to lay it down myself. And I have the power to take it up again. And he said this commandment have I received of my Father. It was the Father that instructed the Son to lay his life down. And now I can testify with the Apostle Paul in Galatians 2 and 20. I am crucified with Christ nevertheless I live. Yet not I but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. That's a remarkable kind of love that Jesus would die for me. Oh, God greatly committed His love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I praise His sweet name. First John 3 and 1 said, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we may be called the sons of God. He gave His Son so that we could become His sons. And when He came to His own, His own received Him not. But to as many as would receive Him, to them gave He the power to become the sons of God. Even to them which believe on His name. I'm a believer. I'm His Son, I'm born again. My sins are forgiven. Somebody ought to say hallelujah to man. I bless His name. Somebody ought to say praise the Lord. Amen. Glory to God. I bless the Lord on my soul. I'm saved and there's not a thing in the world the devil can do about it. I'm a member of His family because Jesus loved me. I say bless God. I'm the Lamb forever that I'm saved by His grace. Hallelujah. A remarkable kind of love. A reaching kind of love. A rescuing kind of love. He said that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever... Why did He do it? That whosoever believeth in Him should not perish. 
It is that we might be rescued. God's love is a soul love. When He so loved the world, it was that we might be rescued. It was a rescuing kind of love. A death sentence was passed upon all men and that all had sinned. But Jesus came that we may have life. He came to rescue us from eternal death. If today a terrible calamity imperiled your life and by miraculous means someone stepped in, took a bullet for you, pushed out from in front of a a speeding car, rescued you from certain death, and that person then was killed in the process, you would forever love that person for his sacrifice to save you. And that is what Jesus has done for you and for me. But it was not just the death of the body that he saved us from. My friend, but it was the eternal death of the soul. He has saved my soul, sacrificed himself that I might have life. I owe him my never-ending love. I owe him my devotion. I owe him my heart and soul. I owe him my worship. I owe him my very best. I owe him my never-ending devotion. He saved my soul. Oh, bless his name. I'll never forget the day he came. <laughs> Woo! Oh, praise the Lamb of God. He's the dearest friend that I have ever had. Oh, he is the one that rescued me like a drowning man pulled from the sea like a prisoner from captivity. Praise God, I've been rescued, rescued. It's a rescuing kind of love. Ephesians 2 and 1 said, And you have the quickened who are dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom we also all had our conversation in times past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. That is my testimony and yours. If you're saved, that's who we used to be. But praise the Lord for verse number four. But God, who is rich in mercy, and for with his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved, and raised us up together and made us sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness towards us and through Christ Jesus. It is the rescuing kind of love. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved, that rescued, that Delivered. A wretch like me. When you say I am saved, you surely set a mouthful. How you imply, my friend, that you once were in danger. In danger of what? In danger, my friend, of death. In danger of disaster. In danger, my friend, of doom. In danger of damnation. In danger of hellfire. How you once were in danger. You once were in distress. And that is you knew you were in danger.
danger. And you were concerned about your condition. You came under conviction of where you stood with God. That you now have been delivered. You've been rescued from that distress. You've been rescued from that danger. And then you're saying, I am now different. I'll never be the same again. Praise God, He rescued me. I'm now His and He's mine because He delivered me from the mouth of the lions. And my friend, He quenched it. I thank God to fire the furnace. He's delivered me. Hallelujah. I praise His sweet name. And we have a rescuing kind of love. A rescuing kind of love. A reaching kind of love and a remarkable kind of love and a rescuing kind of love when it says God so loved. That's what the Bible's talking about. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish. The last phrase, but have everlasting life. Hallelujah. Don't get too carried away. You're just going to live forever. I mean, I don't know why y'all all act the way that you do. And why that you'd carry on. I never saw where Jesus had did that. Where he run around and jumped up and down. And screamed and hooped and hollered. And where he raised his hands. Shouting hallelujah. That everybody he ever touched did. They all got excited because they knew what it was. And my friend to be near the precipice. Of doom and disaster and death. And to be delivered and be made different. And my friend now to have everlasting life. Hallelujah to the Lamb forevermore. We're going to live forever. That is the rewarding kind of love. The rewarding kind of love. I mean, be not weary in well-doing for in due season we shall read. If we faint not, you realize how my friend, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. There's going to be a reward one of these days. You'll have life while you hear abundant life. Everlasting life, eternal life, hallelujah. The reward of Christ's sacrifice and our faithful trust in it has more than we can fathom or know how to understand. It is everlasting life. And my friend, matter of fact, John 3 and 15 called it eternal life. John 3 and 16 called it everlasting life. John 3 and 17 said that's why Jesus came. For God sent not his son of the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Oh, and I am so grateful that he did. John 5, 24, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation but is passed from death unto life. Have the rewarding kind of love. Have John 6 and 40, and this is the will of him that sent me. Have that everyone that seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life. Hallelujah. And I will raise him up at the last day. Not only will he have everlasting life, that is in the inner man, but he's going to have a resurrected life. How whenever I rescue that body from the grave. Hallelujah. And bring him out and carry him home to be with me in heaven. And there's going to be a resurrection. And there is going to be a rapture. And there is going to be a reunion. And there is going to be a reign. Hallelujah to the Lamb forevermore. And I believe it all. Hallelujah. I had a fellow tell me not long ago, he said, I just don't believe in the rapture. And he said, I don't 
I don't uh, care anything about going in the rapture. And at once, the, uh, the smart aleck in me sort of crawled up my leg. And I said, well, there's a verse of Scripture that comes to mind with that. Jesus said, and if you shall ask anything in my name, that will I do. And, if, and he said uh, unto his people there, uh, he said, if you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. He said, if you ask anything, uh, I'm believing that you shall have these things, you shall have them. If you don't want to go in the rapture, if you'd ask Jesus, he might be willing to accommodate you. Oh, my, my. I'm telling you, I'm looking forward to going in the rapture. I want to leave this old world of sin and sorrow. Heaven has never sounded sweeter to me than what it does this morning. I'm telling you what a place that we're headed to. What a place where we are going. My family's promised not only to give everlasting eternal life to this man on the inside, but to give resurrected life to our bodies. Oh, my little granny's body is under in Paulding County in a graveyard. Oh, but the Holy Ghost knows where she is. And God knows where that body is buried. And one of these days it's going to be resurrected in the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We'll be like Him forever and forever. All of a sudden, I met a preacher long years ago. I still know it who does not believe Him. He says the bodily resurrection of Jesus. He believes only the Spirit of Jesus resurrected. But I'm telling you, if the Spirit of Jesus was all that resurrected, somebody stole His body because when they went to the graveyard. There was no body there. Praise God. Jesus got up in his body. And one of these days we're going to get up in our bodies. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm not preaching about a rapture or the rain this morning. But I will say this. When Jesus comes in the rapture, nobody will see him. And those of us who know him, they won't see us no more either. Because we're going to leave this whole world. And then when he comes the second time, everybody's going to see him. Hallelujah. Even they that pierced him, and he'll rule and reign forever. And all of us are resurrected bodies just like Jesus. We will reign with him. And as sure as he rides a white horse, and my feet with glory, with honor, and with pomp and circumstance, and with praise, and a golden street parade, we'll also ride a white horse. We'll also ride in glory and honor. We'll also be there with him. Oh, I bless his name. Yes, I rejoice for a rewarding kind of love. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to ride a white horse, but if the Lord will give me permission on that day, I'm going to yell, hi, old silver. Hallelujah. Yes. Hallelujah. First John 5 and 20. And we know that the Son of God is come. Do you know the Son of God is come? It's what John said. He's talking to the believers, the saved people, to the born again. He said, we know the Son of God is come. Now that's a big deal because John is a Jew. And his Jewish brethren didn't seem to know the Son of God had come. He said, but those of us who are born again, those of us who have been saved, those of us who have received Christ, we already know the Son of God is come. Do you know it this morning? And not only that, he said, the Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding. Do you have an understanding with Jesus this morning? I mean, do you have an understanding? 
I'm going to say something that ain't real spiritual, but maybe it'll help you to, to get this. I believe every person, I believe every person who speaks English ought to watch Andy Griffith's show. I believe they should. It'd help you. I believe you ought to see to it your children watch the Andy Griffith show so they'll grow up to be well-balanced human beings and have a lick of good sense. Amen. And y'all think that's missing from this message? If you want to, I'm going to show you something in just a second. But uh, there's an episode where that, uh, where that Ellie Mae, not Ellie Mae, that's the wrong show, Ellie the druggist, Ellie the druggist, I'm going to have Andy doing things he shouldn't do in a minute. Ellie the druggist is kind of upset that, uh, that uh, Andy's not appreciating her, though he's her beau. He's not appreciating her the way that she thinks he should. And so she decides to kind of get him a little bit jealous, even though they really don't have anything, she doesn't have anything going with anybody else. And Andy does get a little bit jealous, and he, and he uh, comes to understand what it was that Ellie, Ellie wanted him to understand. And he comes over there and talks to her about this issue. And he told, wants to tell her about it, but he doesn't know exactly the right words to say. And he says to her, now listen, what do you mean to tell me that I hear tell that you're maybe going to, the, to going to the picnic with this other fellow and so forth. And I thought you and me, we had an understanding. And she said, well, you know, I mean, he asked me to go. I'm going with him. He said, no, no, no. We had an understanding. You and me. Understanding with you and me. You and me. We had an understanding. And she looks at him and she said, well, I, I didn't know I was stuck on you. I didn't know that I was I committed in any way. I didn't know that I had to go up to the picnic with you. She said, he said, but we had an understanding. And she looks back at him. Finally, she spills the beans, lets him know she's come around to his way of thinking that there was nothing to this all along. She just wanted him to appreciate her. Do you realize what this scripture is telling us? It's right along that same line. And we know the Son of God is come and hath given us an understanding. That is, we have a relationship with Christ. We have an understanding that Jesus came to save us from our sins. And that we may know Him that is true. That we may have a relationship with Him. And Jesus and I, we have an understanding Understanding. It's not that he understands my sinfulness and is okay with it. That's not what I'm saying. But I have an understanding that I can know God. That I can have a relationship with Christ. That he is mine. That I am his forever. That my beloved loves me and that I love him. We have an understanding this morning. And we may know him that is true. And we are in him that is true. Even in his son Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. It's a rewarding kind of love. He's rewarded us with an understanding. We got an understanding. Hallelujah. I'm glad I got an understanding. Part of that understanding with Andy and Ellie was that they was not supposed to be giving their hearts to anybody else. That's part of the understanding. Yeah, it's just you and me against the world, honey. Nobody else gets to be a part of this. It's just us. And when it comes right down to it, and I know, listen, when you, go, when you love God, God loves you, makes you love everybody else. But you don't love everybody else the way you love God. Amen. You don't love uh, anybody else the way you love God. 
There is an understanding. There is a mutually exclusive love between the believer and the Lord. We are to love Him as it were a husband and wife kind of relationship. We have an understanding. And my friend, we know Him. We know Him. This whole world says that God, if there is a God, if there is a deity, the Gnostic says it's some secret knowledge. It's some faraway thing. That Deus says He's some God unknown to this world. There's the superstitious person said He could just be God anywhere. But the child of God says, I know Him. Can I declare Him unto you? We have an understanding. Hallelujah. And we may know Him that is true. We are in Him that is true. Even Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And this is true. This is eternal life. We have an understanding. Amen. Hallelujah. You'll never see Andy Griffith the same way again. We have an understanding. Hallelujah. For God so love. It's a rewarding kind of love. I'm finished preaching. Come on with a song. i got to quit right here. God so loved. A reaching kind of love. He reached out to the world. Some of you this morning, the Holy Ghost of God is reaching out to you. It's a remarkable kind of love that He'd give His only begotten Son. It's a rescuing kind of love that you don't have to perish. It's a rewarding kind of love that you can have everlasting life. God so loved. He loved enough to give His own Son. There are those who don't believe that anybody loves them. There are those that don't think that they're fit for someone to love them. There are those who would never expect God to love them. But He does love you. But He does love you. He so loves you. He came to forgive you of your sins and make you a new person in the likeness of His own Son. You simply need to call on His name today and He can make you new. I want everybody in the building to stand with us. We're giving a verse of invitation this morning. Sister Tanya is going to sing a song of invitation for us. People need to pray. These altars are open. There's plenty of room for you to find a place around these altars this morning. This building is almost 50 feet wide. There's plenty of room for you to find a place to pray. Come and gather around this altar pew, around this stage here, around the edge, if you will, of this altar, this place of designated prayer. If you're lost this morning, I'd beg you to come be saved. You've got lost loved ones. The only answer for them is a God that so loves. Their hope is the same as our hope, and that is in Jesus, in Jesus alone. You need to pray. I'd invite you to come sing for us when you're ready, sister. Come. 
call upon the Lord. So God. 